0: I can, be who it says I, can be, I can be who it says I can be And I will have what it says I can have Today I will hear the word of God I, of God. I, boldly, I, boldly, declare. I boldly declare That my mind, is alert. my mind is alert My heart is receptive My, heart is receptive. my ears are open, ears are open. And, I and I better not go to sleep I'll never be the same In Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. Father, we indeed thank you for the opportunity to come into your house. To hear from your word. To be ministered to by your spirit. And encouraged, Father, by faith. And I pray that every person in this room will leave with a revelation that all things are possible to him that believe. And so, Lord, even now, I take authority over doubt, discouragement, frustration, and even uh, just unbelief itself. And I pray that every heart will be open, every mind will be receptive, and we will hear what the Spirit of God is not just saying to our church, but what he's saying to us individually. So as I decrease, I thank you now for using me as a vessel unto God, fit for the master's use. And we give you thanks and praise in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders following your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Today I'm going to teach you all one of the most important lessons, I believe, of your spiritual life. Today's topic is how to overcome doubt. Look at your neighbor and say, stop doubting. Stop. Doubt is the kryptonite of every believer's faith. And if we can eliminate it, then the possessions of God's promises for our lives become more of a reality. So here's my goal today. My goal is to help each one of us discover what doubt is, how doubt works, and then provide you with spiritual and natural principles to overcome doubt so your faith is in full force because your faith cannot be in full force when doubt is in operation in your life. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to two verses of Scripture. Turn to Mark chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 23. And then we're going to turn over to James chapter 1 verses 5. I'll say those two again. Mark chapter 11 verses 23 and James chapter 1 verses 5. Before we begin our journey on overcoming doubt, let me just define what the word doubt means. Now, this definition has many components to it, and all of these components came right out of the Bible. So I really want you to listen, and if you're smart, you're going to get the CD today, because if you can overcome this particular enemy of your faith, then anything is possible with you. Now... Listen to what the word doubt means. It means to separate thoroughly. To separate thoroughly. It means to withdraw yourself from. In other words, when you're doubting, you're going to withdraw yourself from something. When you're spiritually doubting, you're going to withdraw yourself from what God's word says you ought to have or what you ought to be. It also means to oppose, to discriminate. Watch this now, to hesitate. To discern, watch this, it means to be partial, watch this, to stagger and to waver. That's a lot of definitions for this one word doubt. But some of the key words to me means to withdraw yourself from, to stagger and to waver. And here's the thing, if we... Expecting God to be a promise keeper, then we have to become people that are promised believers. I'm gonna say that again. If we are expecting God to be a promise keeper, then we're gonna have to become people who are promised believers. And many of us in this room, we stagger at the promises of God. Look at your neighbor and say, are you staggering? Now, I have three main points this morning. I hope that I can get through all of them. And here's the first one. Doubt has a place. Doubt has a place. Go to Mark chapter 11, like I told you earlier. And let's start in verse 23. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. This was Jesus talking. He said, for verily I say unto you. Look at your neighbor again. Say, he's talking to you. Verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall what? Say unto this mountain be removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not what yeah. shall not what yeah. shall not what yeah. everybody say not doubt. not doubt shall not doubt where in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he say shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them things and you shall have them things. Now I want to focus because my first point is that doubt has a place. Notice it says in the first part of that verse that you and I Shall not doubt in our what? Everybody say the heart. So the heart is the place where doubt starts. The heart is the place where doubt works. Now what's interesting. Let's go back. Now I'm going to read this in the the, uh, living Bible. It says. And Jesus replied to his disciples. And he said this. If you only have faith in God. This is the absolute truth. You can say to the mountains of olives, rise up and fall into the Mediterranean and your command will be obeyed. Listen to the rest of it. All that's required is that you really believe and have no doubt. Now I'm going to read that in the Amplified. It says, and Jesus replying said unto them, have faith in God constantly. Look at your neighbor and say, this is a constant thing. Have faith in God constantly. Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt at all in his heart. In other words, when doubt is working in even a little bit of your heart, somewhere in that part of your heart, faith is not working. See, what we don't realize, your mouth... It's really good for you. It's good in two ways. Number one, it helps you to declare what you want to see in your life, but it helps you also see and understand what you believe in your life. And if you just listen to the last 24 hours of what your mouth has said, it will reveal to you whether or not you have doubt working in your heart somewhere. So doubt has a place. Look at your neighbor and say, doubt has a place. And that place is so important. Go to Romans, I know I told you to go to James. Go to Romans chapter uh, 10, Romans chapter 10 quickly, Romans chapter 10. See, you got to realize that your heart is a special place. It's not like your head. Your head is where temporary information is stored, but your heart is where you believe from. In Romans chapter 10, we know the verse, but I want to show you something about your heart again. It says in verse 9, That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe where, class? Come on, class. Where? In your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Read it with me. You shall be. Now watch what it continues to say. For with the heart, man does what? Believe. So listen, your heart is responsible for your believing. And if you or I let doubt, if we allow what we read and believe about God's word, if we allow it to be separated from who we are and what we do and what we say, then guess what? Doubt will eventually overcome your faith. So here's point number two. The first point was doubt has a place. Here's the second point and here's the one I'm going to focus on this morning a lot. Is that doubt has a process. Doubt has a process. In other words, doubt has a starting point, and doubt has an ending point. Okay, let me say it another way. Doubt has an entry point, and doubt has an exit point. Go to Mark chapter 11. Go back to Mark chapter 11. Go to Mark chapter 11. Let me show you this. Doubt has an entry point, and doubt has an exit point. Doubt has a start, and doubt has an end. In Mark chapter 11, go back to verse 23 it says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, shall not doubt in his heart. In other words, my heart is where it starts. It's the starting point. It's the process. Now the process works like this because nothing gets in your heart most of all before it goes through your head. In other words, that's why it's so important and critical for you to control how you think because what you think about eventually it evolves down into your heart. Amen. Now, let me just explain this to you real quick so you can understand. There is a difference between doubting in your head and doubting in your heart. There's a big difference. Notice it didn't say in Romans chapter 10 that if you shall confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Notice what it didn't say in Mark chapter 11. It didn't say that you doubt in your head. It said, no, you shall not doubt in your heart. So it's possible for doubt to be in your head but if you allow doubt to stay in your head too long it will cause you to separate yourself from what God's word says and by the time it drifts down into your heart you have now declared what you believe. Doubting in your head is where the process of doubting starts. However, when you control your thoughts and you manage them with your, at the mind level, they will never reach the heart level. And that's why it's important to think right. Because how you think and the more you think about whatever you think about will eventually drift down into your heart. That's why the only way to so, so, most of us remember things if, if we hear something over and over and over again. That's why commercials are designed. They're not designed to get in your head. They're designed to get in your heart. That's why when you go to school, they typically take several weeks, and in some of our cases several months, to get a concept down. They didn't teach you your ABCs in one day. They took some time to go over your alphabets. Why? Because they know the teaching process says this. In order for someone to remember something, for, for someone, for something to d- get down deep in their hearts, they're going to have to hear it Repeatedly. And if you don't control the thoughts in your mind, if they are negative, they're going to drift down in your heart. And once they are in the heart, that's what you're going to believe. Amen. So watch this. The the beginning of doubt starts in the mind, drifts down to the heart. But the end of doubt itself is, watch this, unbelief. Now go to James chapter 1. I told you to go to James. Go to James chapter 1. The end result. Of doubt is unbelief and the fruit of unbelief watch this now is receiving nothing and some people try to blame God for what they're not seeing in their life when it's not his fault watch this James chapter 1 look in verse 5 he says if any of you lack wisdom I'm gonna say I'm gonna say money if any of you lack money, if any of you lack wisdom, if any of you lack lack peace, let him do what? Ask who? It didn't say ask your mama. It says ask who? God, who gives to all men freely or liberally and upbraided not, and then it shall be given him. Watch this now. But let him ask how. In faith, watch this now. I want you to circle these two words. Nothing what? Wavering. The word wavering is the same word doubt in the Greek. When Jesus said, Shall not doubt in your heart, what he was saying is, You can't waver in your heart. This word wavering is the same word doubt. And let's see what happens when a person wavers or when a person's doubt. For he that wavered or doubts, it's like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man, what man, that wavering man, that doubting man, think he shall receive anything from the Lord. So if you don't have manifestation in your life, it's not God's fault. Maybe it's because you are wavering on a surfboard. See, some of us are surfing on the waves of unbelief and we don't even know it. Now, I'm going to show you how this thing works because it's amazing. Go to Romans chapter 4. Go to Romans chapter 4. Let me show you somebody who had a problem with the process of doubt but didn't allow the process to push him completely into doubt and unbelief. In Romans chapter 4, look in verse 19. It says... And being not weak in faith, is talking about Abraham, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. But, and he, Abraham, he staggered not, the word staggered is the same word doubt. He doubted not at the what class? At the what class? At the what class? That's what doubt is after. It's after the promise. It's not after your job, it's not after your kids, it's not after your peace, it's after the promise. Because if you believe the promise, you'll know your kids are fine, you'll know your peace is secure, and you know God will supply. It says here, let that not that man think he's received nothing. It goes on in Romans chapter 4, it says he staggered not at the promise of God through what? Unbelief. So watch this. Doubt produces unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, watch this now, and being fully persuaded, fully persuaded about what? He was fully persuaded about the what, what God has told him. He says, Abraham, you're going to have a son. And Abraham said, I'm 90 years old, how is that going to happen? And see, I'm going to show you, once we get to the third one, I'm going to show you what makes doubt works and how to eliminate it. Because Abraham had an opportunity to doubt, but he didn't. Because the Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God. And so weak faith is a result, watch this now, of strong doubt. I'm going to say that again. Weak faith is a result of strong doubt. In other words, if your faith is not working like it should, you know what's, what's really working? Doubt. Amen. Watch this. Doubting in your heart. Is only the result of a mind and a thought problem. Once you doubt in your heart, your faith will stop working because your heart is where you believe. Now, how does doubt work? Because you can't stop something if you don't recognize it. Are you with me on that? Now, the topic that I'm dealing with is how to overcome doubt. So here's my question. How does doubt work? Because you can't stop it if you don't recognize it. Well, doubt works in three ways and is released or expressed in a fourth way. I'm going to say that again. Doubt comes in three ways. Everybody say three ways. In other words, the way you're going to recognize doubt is when you see these three things happen and then when you see the fourth thing happen, you can know that I am in full-blown doubt. Now, let me tell you what most of you in this room think. You think that... Time, tests, temptations, you think those things are what cause you to doubt when those are just opportunities to doubt. See most of us have opportunities to doubt all the time, but it 's up to you to determine if you 're going to doubt at that particular time. You know I was in my my, my family 's out of town, and so uh, since they 're out of town, I, I like to take opportunities like this to. You know, stay engaged spiritually and focus. And then I try to not spend money because they spend a lot when they're here. So I call myself, you know, I'm going to save a little money and not try to spend too much. And I'm at Spring Creek and I see this lady. She had to be 85 years old. Had to be. And uh, Holy Spirit just said, pay for her meal. I said, no, I'm not doing that today. I'm not doing that. How I many you know the devil's not gonna tell you to give? He's not gonna do that. Now sometimes you know you can make up in your own mind to give, and then sometimes God wants you to give. Well, this time God wanted me to give. It wasn't ever been trying to give. It was God. And, you know, I normally don't have a problem giving, but today was an opportunity to see if I believed what God said about giving. Now I don't know how much her meal was and you know what, honestly, I didn't even care because I wasn't going to do nothing about it. (laughs) And here we go, because you, listen, let me tell you something. If you ever wrestle with God, no number one, you're going to lose. No number two, you're going to come out with a limp. And no number three, you might as well do it because you're going to end up doing it anyway. So I'm sitting there wrestling and wrestling and wrestling, and I'm watching this lady take her card out, and, and, and finally I was so convicted, I just walked up to the counter, I said, ma'am, I'm going to take her, hers." Said, well, we've already swiped her card, and, and, and I'm sitting there going, you know what, it's my fault, and so I said, can you reverse the card, she said, well we can reverse, and this, this lady standing there looking like so they reversed her card and she looks at me and she says young man she says "Uh, are you a ball player? (laughs) I was thinking you are really old aren't you? (laughs) I was like no ma'am I said I'm a pastor she says you know nobody's ever done that for me I have never had anybody To pay for my meal. And I said to her. I said. It's always good to experience something positive for the first time. Now God used me. To help this lady see. At 80 something years old. That God's principles still work. Now watch this. After I got done. It didn't cost that much. I don't remember what it was. Probably 20 bucks or whatever. And see some of us are arguing over $20. When God is trying to get you $2,000. So, after I gave the, you know, I paid the board before I walked, I said, Lord, listen, okay, I need you to call somebody that don't even know me to bless me. Since you asked me to do that in there. <laughs> Come on now. I am not going to separate myself from the promise. The promise said, when I give, it shall be given to me. I am not going to separate myself thoroughly from that promise. So since I would already done the principle, which is obeying him, I might as well experience the harvest. So I said, God, I want you to use somebody. And I'll tell you what, I got home later on that evening and I went out to the mailbox and I opened up the mail and there were two checks. One was for 3000 and one was for 500 from people I ain't know. Now, if you don't clap, you need $3,500. So watch this now. Watch this. I have 10 minutes to work this out. Here's the first way in which doubt works. The first thing is that doubt comes in the form of questions. Anytime a question comes in your mind, Comes in your heart or surfaces out of somebody else's mouth, you are having an opportunity to have the doubting start process to start. Go to Genesis chapter three. let me show you this this is all through scripture. whenever you begin to see questions, have questions, begin to question in your mind you know is God real and does God supply and why isn't this working and why isn't this working and, and I gave and why isn't my giving working And why am I healed and why God is God? Listen, when you start seeing questions, that means doubt is knocking on your spiritual door. In Genesis chapter 3, if you're there, say, I'm there. Watch this now. Now, this same thing happened to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve allowed doubt to come in their heart. And they began to question what God had already said. And it caused Adam and Eve to doubt and then disobey. Look in Genesis 3. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to who? The woman. Yes, here's the question. Has God said you shall not eat of every tree? Anytime doubt wants to work in your life, it is going to first come in the form of a question. And what many of us do when the question comes because we don't have an answer... We just accept the question. You have to have an answer for every question that comes. You say, well, pastor, what if I don't know the answer? That's why you need to know the word. So if the question comes, some of y'all, you know, here's the question. You know, well, God, why am I not married? Question, doubt, it's coming. It's coming. God, why am I still struggling? Doubt is coming. Because... When doubt comes, I'll show you at the end, there's something you got to do, or if you don't, it's going to get in there and stay in there. It comes in the form of questions. It happened with Adam and Eve. After he questioned and said, did God say this? Then it caused her to start thinking about What the question was and because she didn't have a sufficient answer, which is the word, because remember the same thing happened with Jesus when he was over in the book of Matthew chapter four. Just write that down. Matthew chapter four, verse four. This is when he was led of the spirit into the wilderness. And the Bible said the devil came to him and said, now watch this now in chapter three, at the end of chapter three in Matthew, the last verse says this. And the voice of God came and said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The next verse says he went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the next verse the devil says, are you really the son of God? What was he trying to do? He was trying to create some doubt in Jesus' mind. He was trying, watch this, he was trying to create doubt of what God had just said to him. And some of us. Because we don't have the promises rooted down in deep on the inside of us, when the questions come, guess what? We fall apart. When the situations come, we begin to stagger because when the question came, we didn't have a sufficient answer. But see, notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, it is written. And that's the answer to any question that the devil or life brings to you. It is written. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all say, well, is God really going to supply me with a husband or a wife? Is God really going to open up the windows of heaven? Is God really going to heal me? Is tithing really going to work? See, those questions right there, you got to make a decision. Today, that the only answer I'm going to give to any question that comes up in my mind is what the word says. That's why, man, listen, some of you are listening to too much music. Now, I'm, I'm getting all off on those right now. Some of y'all listen to too much music. You, you, you don't have enough faith to be listening to music. Okay, I'm going to say it on this side. Some of you are listening to much music over here. You don't have enough faith to be listening to music. So that's why when the devil comes to you, you you talk to him with a song. No, no, no. Jesus said it it is sung. He said it is written. Amen. Doubt comes in the form of questions. Here's number two. Doubt comes in the form of negative thoughts or a double mind. In other words, when you have a question that comes that you can't answer, that's the opportunity for doubt. It's the opportunity for you to separate yourself from what God's word says. And then the second thing is doubt comes in the form of negative thoughts or a double mind. See, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. See, negative thinking sounds like this. I'll, I'll never catch up on these bills. Oh man, this will never work for me. Oh, I just hate this job that I'm on. You know what? Even if you do hate the job, don't let that thought settle in your heart because that job is helping pay some bills. Even if it ain't helping pay all your bills, it's helping pay some of those bills. And here you are being negative because you cannot receive of anything you have doubt of. Go to John chapter 11. Let me show you a famous person in the Bible who was just, his life was just full of doubt. We even call him Doubting Thomas. Go to John chapter 11. See, the the reason uh, uh, Thomas was considered a doubting person, because Thomas was a negative thinker. I'm just going to show you a few examples. In John chapter 11, look at verse 16. Now, Jesus, this is when Lazarus had died, and so he was going to go see about Lazarus and raise him from the dead. And so in verse sixteen, verse 15, Jesus said, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Let us go to Lazarus. Watch verse 16. I don't know why Thomas said this, but listen to this negative stuff. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us go also so we can die with him. Who was talking about dying? Jesus was talking about going to raise a dead man up from the dead. And he said, well, come on, y'all, let's go die with him. Come, What is that? Okay, go to John 14. Go to John 14. Because, see, some of y'all are, are Thomas' cousins. Don't, don't talk about Thomas. You need to talk about yourself right now. John 14. Watch this. John 14. Look at verse 5. Uh, verse 3. Well, let's start at verse 1. Let your, not, your heart not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am there, you may be also, verse 4. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Here comes Thomas. Remember, doubt comes first in questions. Then it comes in negative thinking. Or double-mindedness, watch what Thomas said. Thomas said to him, Lord, know what, what? We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says, look, I am the way, the truth. And you haven't figured that out by now, Thomas. Okay, let's look at Thomas one more time. Go to go to uh, John chapter 20 because I need to show you. See, you can't stop doubt until you see it coming. When you start hearing questions like, I don't know how I'm going to make it at the end of the week. How are you going to make it? Come on, some of y'all saying that right now. You paid your tithe. You're going, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of the week. I ain't got no gas money. I, ain't got, I don't know how I'm going to make it to work. You know it's 30 miles there and 30 miles back. I mean, you got this thing calculated. But see, the answer to that problem is you said you would supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So I'm expecting you to do that, God. Thank you very much. And on your way, I don't care. Listen, if God can multiply and change wine or water into wine, listen, he can take some vapor and put some gas in your car if you had to. So listen, your job is not to question how he's going to do it. Your job is to praise him all the way down. Lord, I thank you. I may not have gas. It may not show on the needle. But I know you're going to help me make it. You said you supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And I believe that. Amen. Watch verse 24. Chapter 20. Look at verse 24. Here we go. We got Thomas again. Because let me show you something about doubt. Doubt only questions or has the need for physical proof and evidence. See, doubt needs to have evidence. Doubt needs to, it needs to have sense realm evidence. Doubt needs to have proof before it believes. And so in John chapter 20, look like at verse 24. Watch this. But Thomas 1 of the 12, called Didymus, who was not with them when Jesus came, the other disciples therefore said, Now, now if I had 11 people come to me and say, Look, you know what? We saw Jesus. If I had 11 people tell me that, watch what his response was. He said, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of his nails, and thrust my hand to his side." Read it with me. He said, you know what? I will not believe. And that's what happens when you allow bad thinking to stay in your head too long. You'll start saying stuff like, I don't really believe God can come through. Now see, most of us, we don't have the courage to say it, but we think it. Here's the third thing, and I'll I'll shut it down here. Doubt comes, watch this, through lack of physical evidence. In other words, if we don't see it, we start doubting. But if you can see it, it ain't faith. Faith is the substance of things. Hope for. Faith is the evidence of what I can't see. So if I can't see it, I need to use my faith as proof that it exists. Amen. Doubt comes through lack of physical evidence. And that's why Thomas said, I got to touch it. I got to feel it. But see, faith is the ability to believe God's word without having to have any sense realm evidence. That's what faith is. Faith is saying, you know what? All I need is this word. See, we really think that Peter walked on water. Peter didn't walk on water first. He walked on the word first. Because he said, Jesus, can I do that? He said, come. So Peter Got out on the word and the word caused him to walk on the water. You can't walk on water until you first walk on the word. So I don't need to know how God's going to do something in my life. All I need to know is that he said he would. So how do we overcome doubt? Here it is right here. Here it is. What is the key to overcoming doubt? Here it is. Thought control and mouth control. Thought control. How do you overcome doubt? Mouth control and thought control. The key is thought control. And that's why you have to have your mind renewed. That's why you don't have time to listen to that music. You need to be listening to the word. See, when you get serious about see what I'm, what I'm talking about, right? I, I know what I'm talking about right here. I know what I'm talking about. See, many of you, 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 you think you have problems. You think you have opportunity? No, you don't. What you really have are some unbelief and some doubting issues. I remember when we first started the church, you know, and uh, we had 22 people. And uh, we needed 6,000. Now, we started with three full-time people. Now, this is a brand new church. Three full-time people. But the Lord had three full-time people. Okay, we're going to do that. He told me not to work. He told my wife not to work. Even though I looked for a job, couldn't find one. But we needed $6,000 a week to run the church. Now, some of us don't even make $6,000 a month. We needed $6,000 a week. But I knew the process. Part of the process is is mind control or thought control and then mouth control. So any time a thought would come and say, what you going to do when that $6,000 don't come in? My mouth now, because this is how you control your thought. You control your thought by opening up your mouth. You can't think and talk at the same time. I know you think you can, but you can't. If you can, you do have problems. I can prove it to you. Let's just do a little exercise right here. I want everybody to participate, okay? Everybody to participate. I want you to count silently to yourself. Just, you know, like one... Two, three. I just want you to do that to yourself. And then I'm going to ask you a question. And when I ask you a question, I want you to say out loud the answer to the question, okay? I want you to start thinking, uh, uh, start counting in your mind right now. Start counting. What's your name? Now, did you have to stop thinking to talk? That's how you control a thought right there. So you just can't sit there and let a thought come to you and say, you ain't going to make it. No, you can't sit up there and just say, you ain't going to make it. You say, oh, no, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said, I'm the head and not the tail. He said, he will always cause me to triumph. Therefore, I am going to win. You can't sit up there and let that thought come. You're not going to make it. Everybody say thought control and mouth control. Second Corinthians ten 3. I'm ending with this. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty through God to pull down strongholds. Watch this. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. In other words, putting in jail every thought to the obedience of Christ. Man, you got to see what I'm talking about right now. Here's the hard part. You got to monitor your thinking. You got to be aware of what you're thinking about all the time. And when you see your thought is not right, you got to open up your mouth and say what God's word says. Amen. That's why in Romans 12 2, it says be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If many of you knew that your mind was the gateway to your manifestation, you wouldn't let all that junk get in. Let me me say it this way. Never look at something that you don't want to work on the inside of you. Never listen to something that you don't want to work on the inside of you. That's why it says whatever things are good and lovely and true and of good report. it says that's what you need to think about. So here's my question today. What have you been thinking about lately? And what have you been saying? Because see, some of you, you're not saying anything. Well, if it took God to open his mouth and say, and there was light, and there was light, if he had to open up his mouth to create this world that we're living in, you have to open up your mouth to design the world that you want to live in. So not opening up your mouth, you're hurting yourself. Even though you may not be saying nothing negative, you're not saying nothing at all. Basically, your life is in neutral. And I want to challenge you today to begin to monitor your mouth and monitor your thoughts. And when you start seeing questions coming, just know that doubt is trying to knock on your door. But all you have to do is look look through the peephole of your life. When you see it's doubt, don't open the door. When you see that the devil is questioning, well, this ain't working for me. The Lord said, the Lord, the. Don't, look, don't open the door. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here this morning. Here's my question, because I know this was, a, this was a lesson for believers. If you are lacking...